0: Welcome to the Plexus Podcast. Today, our very own Brad Johnson is joined by our special guest, Dr. Pamela Daly, Vice President of Online and Professional Studies at Cal Baptist University. Today, we learn how CBU has created a successful and growing online learning division. Welcome to the Plexus Podcast series. Today, we are so excited to have Dr. Pam Daly, the Vice President of Online and Professional Studies at California Baptist University. Pam, how are you today?
1: Doing well. Thanks, Brad.
0: Well, excellent. Well, so California Baptist University, you all have 11,000 students. Um, You've built a strong foundation, and those numbers continue to set records. You continue to see increased enrollment. And, you know, it does seem like with every term, you're setting records. Can you talk a little bit, especially in this era of COVID, if you will, can you talk a little bit about how you've been able to continue to see um, growth at Cal Baptist?
1: Yeah, thanks Brad. Um, Yeah, growth is in this environment has been interesting, hasn't it? Uh, We talk a lot about online students here in our division. And when COVID came, we were already positioned in online learning The main university, of course, had to pivot to remote learning, meaning that the professors went from classroom lectures to online or Zoom lectures. Um, And that was, you know, took everybody by surprise, clearly. Um, And that pivot was easier for some than for others because we did have the online division and already a core competency around delivering um, synchronous and asynchronous education. It was a little bit easier for us to do that. And we were excited to see how our engaged learning process both with the campus typical resident students and the online community continue to thrive even in the midst of this we really tried to keep students focused on what can you control in the midst of a very turbulent uh, historical moment and uh, by doing so a lot of students who said hey this is the time to really accelerate your education, because there are a lot of things you can't do, but one thing you can do is keep going to school. And so that continued to help us uh, grow the enrollment and help students focus on uh, success in an area they were uh, committed to.
0: So the market is, is pretty saturated, um, especially with uh, faith-based institutions. Can you talk a little bit about how do you impress upon perspective and current students, Cal Baptist faith-based mission, especially through online learning. Yes.
1: Yeah, so, and there are a number of really great institutions out there, Brad, that are, as you indicated, faith-based institutions who have integrated faith into learning. And um, we each have a place, you know, the kind of the theme or tagline for CBU is live your purpose. And we believe that everybody has a specific, God-given purpose in this world. And being prepared to fulfill and live and thrive in that purpose is really what we're trying to do. And a lot of that comes from 100% committed um, faith-based instructional teams, right? So all of the staff, um, as well as, and of course, the instructional group, our faculty, staff, adjuncts are all, you know, faith-based people who adhere to the value, mission, vision, and values of CBU, and in that are able to communicate that in an integrated way into the classroom. So, whether it's a faith, to, you know, face-to-face course or an online course, we are giving the student a whole educational experience, including current um, thought in our world abroad, you know, broadly, but then also think about it from a perspective that a lot of institutions do not promote, which is a a faith-based perspective. So what is the Christian viewpoint, worldview on history, on uh, business, on psychology? And so our professors are integrating that into the discussion online and in the classroom in order to help students get a full experience of what education should look like. Instead of pivoting it just toward one agenda or another, we're really trying to broaden the perspective of students and what they're learning so that they can really have a fully informed and fully mature view of perspectives more broadly. So we don't require students to be any denomination or follower or have faith at all. We just are opening that experience to them and we teach our faculty how to incorporate those conversations that some people might think are maybe a little bit more sensitive into the curriculum and um, assignments. Assignments might say, you know, help me understand or include in your assignment a discussion about a Christian worldview on this particular subject. Uh, and that is, you know, kind of a, a pivot point for people to explore and tap into thinking ideas and worldviews that maybe they never thought about before. So for us, that's foundational to our mission, vision, and values, right? And having that Christian worldview. Those are some of the ways that we can incorporate that into our educational uh, process.
0: So when you look at the the, uh, the jobs that are out there today and you look ahead five, 10, 15 years, there's jobs that exist today that may not exist in the future. And there are jobs in the future that may not exist today. How do you ensure student success in that And that students are ready for the future marketplace?
1: Yeah, good question. I mean, how do you prepare for something you don't know will exist? And I think there, you know, one of the things we love about higher education is it's all about helping students uh, one, communicate both verbally and in written form, and then also critical thinking, right? How do we analyze data and come up with objectives? How do we uh, use a more critical approach, a scientific approach to thinking through problem solving. And if you can incorporate those into what we might call, and then people skills, of course. So there's kind of that soft, what we might call that soft skill skill set from an analytical perspective and an interrelational perspective and communications. And then there's the technical side. So we may not know the technology of the future per se, but if we can teach students the ability to communicate well, to perform on teams both physically located together and dispersed globally, right? Uh, Across, and as we've seen in the last year, how critical is that in the workforce today? Um, As well as, you know, that just that interrelational, how do we respect and collaborate with those of different opinions, um, of different viewpoints? And then how do we analyze data and use science and scientific approaches to really think through problem solving, to address uh, challenges, to use even a Six Sigma approach to thinking about how to deconstruct and reconstruct um, problems and systems and processes so that we can make them better, faster, and more efficient. Those kinds of basic uh, skill sets that often require challenging students to think outside of the expected and think beyond that. Uh, Sometimes I think in higher ed we can get in the mode of having everyone group think instead of independently think and if we we are better served for the future and for the present I think if we teach students to analyze and and be critical of things that are being taught and discussed all the time uh, to just think collectively will not help us break out into new inventions or new um, innovations and problem solving of bigger problems that we face today and tomorrow. So those uh, critical thinking communications and interpersonal skills are so critical to um, every student's career at large and then also to our future workforce. And we can always add upskilling, lifelong learning. That's that's just part of uh, what we're in now as far as uh, you know the jobs of the future and adding credentials. I think the students will go from getting a degree as we saw in, in decades past and being done with their education, advanced education to just ongoing education, right? We're seeing it already, the trends are there. Uh, micro-credentials, badges, certificates. Uh, that's part of that technology advancement that we don't, we didn't know existed or would exist today uh, when we finished those degrees 10 years or 20 years ago. So I think it's kind of a collaboration of both. It's providing upskilling as well as creating a firm foundation of uh, required basic skills for all industries.
0: Yeah, those are great points. And now if we shift gears a little bit, talk about the marketing and the recruitment efforts um, and, and how they different how they how they differ between traditional on-campus learners and adult learners. Can you talk a little bit about those differences?
1: Sure. I've done both sides of higher education, having been in this industry for more than three decades. Uh, I've worked with traditional students in recruiting and admissions. I've worked with adult learners and both from an educational and an an operational side. So I've lived it firsthand and it really is um, interesting uh, growth and development uh, kinds of things. In a traditional student, you're really talking about andragogy and an advancement, or I'm sorry, pedagogy, talking about, you know, kind of that growing up and creating uh, a foundation for critical thinking. There's a lot of theory involved in pedagogy because you're teaching theoretical foundations of concepts. And by the time we get to adult learners who have maybe 10 years on that traditional student, maybe their late 20s to uh, mid 30s, that's andragogy, that's really talking about adult learners. So um, by just living on this planet, you're going to learn some critical problem solving (laughs) by the time you're 30 or you're living under a rock or in a cave, right? So that uh, process of uh, formal education is a little bit different because you've already acquired some of those analytical processes and ability to dissect and problem solve in a much more advanced way than an 18 to 20 year old would. It's just by virtue of experience. So the differences between that traditional and adult learner um, educational experience are different expectations. Uh, Adult learner is not wanting to hear about the theory. They're really living in a practical world and need practical application. And while theoretical principles and foundations are important, they're not the stopping point, they're the starting point, right? So you're extrapolating to, so what, now what? Uh, You're taking the concept even of human growth and development, let's say in basic psychology and saying, how does that apply to the people on my team? Uh, They're different age groups. What are they going through and lifespan development? And being able to better understand the teams you're working with just as a simple application to uh, a concept, as opposed to when I took my undergrad as a psych major, you know, we talked a lot about principles, but we didn't talk a lot about look around you and see how that applies to the people in your life uh, or in the people in your world, your neighbor, your family members, your, you know, and and kind of compare and contrast. We do a lot more of that in adult education. Is kind of that practical application, carrying it forward, and uh, applying it to you know circumstances that we can take back to work today. So those are kind of the two big differences between you know that uh, traditional student experience and an adult learner
0: experience. Now, are you finding it has has there been a shift? Are are more traditional age students are are they taking more online courses?
1: Yeah, the data shows that they are, Brad. You're you're spot on. Um, the the average age of online learners is continuing to go down. And what's interesting, you know, here at CBU, we actually uh, have serve both the, the traditional campus, so they have a, a full uh, force of face-to-face instructors, but a good 50% of students there are also taking online classes at the same time. So they may, uh, I think they're more selective uh, even though they're more uh, a little bit younger, they're choosing courses that they want some real network and um, to pick the brain, if you will, face-to-face with their instructors. They'll take those on ground on the residential campus, but they'll also augment their program with some online courses where they need more flexibility. They might be an athlete or they might be a theater student who has a rigorous schedule or they just have competing schedules with their ground classes and they want to pick up some extra units. So. Just overall, we see a lot of interest in some uh, online, but not all online for all ages. Uh, you know that younger traditional student, but the fully online student does tend to be more of an adult, independent student who has a very full and busy life, right? Might be a professional already in the workforce, etc., or are trying to pivot their their career. So taking Uh, they're in a program or, I'm sorry, they're fully employed now and in a career, but they want to pivot to maybe something a little different. They'll take an online program, um, undergrad or graduate program to kind of pivot to a new career path and find that their purpose maybe wasn't what they initially thought it was. And so uh, those are becoming a little bit younger. So the spread for fully online is continuing to get a little bit younger. And, you know, the Gen Z is is a tech native, right? So, (laughs) it's not nearly as intimidating online learning for them as it was maybe for the prior generations that were entering this educational space. So it's an interesting time because in any one of our classes we may have 20% traditional students and 80% non-traditional students um, or adult learners. So it's it's a bit of a mix. So there definitely is a trend for a younger group, but it is interesting that they prefer what, what I might call a mix and match Where you have some residential courses and you have some online courses, and I think that only enhances the CBU experience by having that flexibility to do
0: both. Got it. And now, are most of your students from California?
1: Most of the students at CBU Online and CBU Residential are from California. Yes.
0: Excellent. Can you talk to me a little bit about uh, the difference between remote, online? There's so. There's different terms that are thrown out when schools, individuals, students are talking about online learning, remote learning, and I think different words have been thrown ar- around, especially during uh, the early stages of COVID, when it seemed like every school was forced to go online in some capacity. Um, you know, as we've talked about, Cal Baptist has been online for for quite a while. Can you talk to me about the differences and maybe some clarifying points as <laughs> to one over the other?
1: Absolutely. And you make a great point because I think it's extremely confusing for students at this point because the terminology has become uh, a lot of the words are synonymous, and yet, uh, as educators, they mean very different things. And, you know, uh, CBU Online has been um, in this space for over a decade, and online learning. Uh, is different in that you build your, the course and the curriculum, the activities, the videos, you know the learning enhancements are all built into an online platform and take anywhere from six months to a year to build out. So you're, you're working through the textbook materials and um, the digital enhancements and the threaded discussions and the learning assessment activities are all built out with an asynchronous, meaning not in real time, uh, student doing coursework anytime, anywhere, right? So asynchronous and synchronous are another uh, two more terms that have been thrown out quite a bit that we sort of internally laugh that probably we, everyone else thinks synchronous swimmers or, you know, uh, whereas we are talking about, are you in real time with the professor or are you in uh, anytime, time, any place? So online tends to be asynchronous. Do your homework, uh, check into your threaded discussion, talk with your peers, not in real time, but in any time, right? So you just log in and post your thoughts or post a discussion or your questions. And when people get back to it, they get back to it on their own time. And that's the online world and has been around for a while. The remote learning, we really picked up that word and implemented it with the residential team because and ask them to be distinct about that because they were really pivoting from the classroom one week um, to two weeks of spring break and back in, uh, you know, a zoom room where you're doing your uh, synchronous live in real time kinds of instruction in exactly the same way you would have uh, in the classroom, except that you were on screen instead of standing in the front of the class So. Uh, that remote piece that's why we kind of have seen um, in this space a distinction between remote and online Uh, online has a whole different build component to it and remote was wow we can't see each other in the classroom anymore so you're going to see me on screen but we're going to do what we you know previously had planned and obviously all of those uh, plans did not were not easily facilitated by that zoom room and so they had to kind of pivot a little bit in that and make some adjustments, but not in the same way where we you know, build out um, individual course shells on a platform specifically for online learners. So those are kind of the two big breaking points between the two uh, modalities.
0: Got it, okay, well said. Uh, can you define for me in your words, what, what is student success?
1: Yes, yeah, student success, Kind of comes at a couple different layers, right? So one is, um, you know, the most obvious to the Department of Education, did the student graduate with, the, with their degree? Um, and that's one way to measure success for a student. Uh, and then secondly, for us, we really are looking at, did you complete a program that fits your purpose, right? So you could complete any program, but what is it that you're trying to achieve? And did we help you get to that? If you um, wanna go into a field, but you take a degree that doesn't fit that, that's a, to me is a little bit of a disconnect between the success of the student because you're not well prepared for the workforce. So being prepared for the career path you're going to enter, uh, achieving your degree, major milestone in life, a fantastic um, opportunity to celebrate. But secondly, are you prepared for the workforce? Do you have skills that are relevant and applicable to where you're going, right? So that, work, that employers find valuable Uh, which is one of the things that we work on a lot, you know, as institutions, is to make sure that we're in touch with our employer base who are hiring our grads, that they're coming out with the knowledge and competencies, um, hard skills, you know, the technical skills, but also the soft skills that we talked about before in communication, interpersonal relationship, working on a team, dependable, professional, you know, all those kinds of skills as well. So kind of those technical and um, soft skills that are vitally important to success in any industry. Um, and, and, you know, really coming out in a way, uh, completing your degree and achieving these, these skills with a manageable amount of debt at the other end, right? So how do we help students minimize the cost and maximize the opportunity to learn? And the, I think those are kind of the three major, uh, what you might call success points for student achievement.
0: Well, and and I would imagine student success and, you know, even if you talk about retention and, you know, seeing students matriculate, um, I, the ways in which universities do that are different when you look at adult and online, when you look at traditional and on campus. Um, how do you make sure that an online student is prepared for an online education, one, and then how do you make sure that they continue forward if they start hitting bumps in the road?
1: Yeah, one of the things I do love about online education and, and how we've approached this work is that um, students have a, a couple entry points for uh, preparation and success. So every new student will have a meeting with an admissions person with what we might call a co-navigation of the, of the system right? So we provide them one-on-one tutor through, you log on, you have your credentials, let me walk you through and kind of give you a guide. And we also have that available in a recorded fashion so that they can go to the website and say, ah, that was a great um, tutor experience or navigation experience with my admissions counselor three weeks ago, but classes start in two weeks and I don't know how much I remembered. So there's a recorded experience. And then there's a new student experience where we're also coming together both through Zoom, we provide a Zoom experience, so it's virtual, and a face-to-face experience for those who are local and want to do a tour of the campus and do some of the other extracurricular things. We are a D1 school, so it's kind of fun to see CBU's full ex- campus, and it is a beautiful uh, beautiful experience to walk and tour the campus. So giving those different opportunities to get ready in advance gives students every, um, every point of success to be able to, uh, See what the platform looks like, figure out how you deliver homework, how to navigate the space, where your resources are. And once a student matriculates and, and starts school, they're assigned to an academic advisor for, for the full experience of their duration with us. So um, we work on a cohort basis, which has been highly successful in keeping students um, retained, because as soon as you matriculate, we're going to, we are going to register you for all future courses in your first semester. And that keeps you on track for uh, navigating through the process. If you need to adjust your schedule, you wanna take additional courses, which in, during COVID, we, a lot of our students took additional credit load uh, because of the limited opportunities to do anything else. And so we had this year over 20% more graduates from the online program than we did in the prior two years, just because students added to their credit load and completed early. So those are opportunities to enhance your schedule or modify your schedule. If something comes up at work and you need to you know, maybe reduce load, your academic advisor can help you do that. So that one-on-one concierge approach to uh, student service and they're constantly working with the student, reaching out to the student, checking in with the student, having early alert systems in place so that if uh, a faculty will let them know and all academic advisors can also see if students are below a certain threshold of passing a course, they can reach out and say, hey, let's help you figure out what you need here to kind of catch up. Maybe you got a little bit behind because there's extra work at home or at, at the office and uh, you need a little extra time. Let's get you an extension or, you know, do you need some tutoring in a subject? Maybe you're taking statistics, you need a little extra assistance with the, with, uh, the coursework and the homework, you know, whatever those might be. So keeping students retained. I think that online has a much more uh, mentor kind of relationship with students than sometimes you might see in a traditional environment, and that leads to uh, better success. And adult learners by and large have pretty complicated lives and busy lives, so they need a little more uh, support, I would say. They don't want to have to figure out how to use the systems as much as tell me what you need from me and, and I'll go do it. Um, and so kind of keeping that constant uh, attention to their needs, taking care of the business of going to school so they can take care of just doing the schoolwork, right? So those are some of the ways we can keep them engaged and moving forward and moving toward graduation.
0: Excellent, and you, you had mentioned too, obviously we wanna see student success. We wanna see students graduate uh, among other things. How do you make sure that you continue to replenish the top of the funnel, the marketing funnel as as students graduate? You obviously want to see more students come in. So do you have corporate partnerships? Uh, are there you know, standard marketing processes and procedures that uh, that CBU launches and goes through on a consistent basis? How do you fill that top of the funnel to make sure you keep bringing students in?
1: Yeah, good question. That's, that's a very um, layered approach, right? So we do have corporate partnerships. We have memorandums of understanding with a lot of our local employers, our city, um, state agencies, county agencies, um, Riverside County of Ed, a number of our county uh, government agencies. So we have a lot of public affairs and CBU has been around since 1950. So 71 years, we we're kind of known in the community. We're a good community partner. Uh, we have a lot of student uh, volunteer hours in the community and so you know just keeping those uh, corporate partnerships uh, vibrant and ongoing so a lot of um, under memorandum of understandings create scholarship opportunities for those partners and um, presentations to their staff and talking about programs that they might need and that kind of development uh, both for the front end like you're talking about you know what programs are we offering that they need um, trained, you know, uh, workforce to be employed. So, what kind of programs as things continue to develop? But then, out at the other end of the funnel is after graduation, the employment opportunities as well. So, the corporate partners are really critical to our ongoing uh, funnel as well as our student placement and careers afterwards. But then, uh, we do work with a marketing agency that you know we're. Marketing uh, digitally through Google and Facebook, social media. Uh, we do some radio, some print, Chamber of Commerce, uh, community college relationships, uh, virtual online um, presentations and what we call essential presentations, talking about different programs for people who are just checking you out, you know, want to know more about it. See, talk to a professor who's involved in those presentations, talk about the future workforce in every program. So a lot of different ways to approach the market. Uh, We are beyond California, but our presence is strongest in California, but for obvious reasons, Um, but continue to reach uh, beyond our own uh, geographic borders and into the digital space to continue to uh, encourage consideration beyond uh, just our our local backyard. We have a very big backyard in Southern California, as you know, so (laughs) there are a lot of folks here. Uh, just in the LA basin in Southern California, uh, all the way across the country. So uh, just a few of the ways that we're reaching out to the top of the funnel for programs and um, and partnerships.
0: That's great. And like you said, yeah, it's a layered approach and you obviously have a number of different tentacles out there reaching out to, to bring in prospective stu- students. So that's great. Um, do you have strategies in place to maintain relationships with alumni?
1: We do, uh, we have some really interesting, you know, as adult learners coming back to get degrees, often they're already into their career. And so uh, many of them come back and speak at our new student orientations, they uh, record uh, testimonials and we embed those into some of our marketing and different ways like that. And just keeping them connected, both from a campus perspective, CBU is one university and we have multiple modalities of learning. But our alumni office is reaching out to all of our alum uh, for homecoming and um, you know the fall weekend family weekend uh, for all of our sports and athletic events Uh, we've performed very well in the sports arena as a d1 school and been national champions in a number of different sports our women went undefeated um, all the way through this last year in basketball so there's a lot of ways to tie alumni back to the university um, all of our job fairs and are uh, you know offered to all of our uh, current students and alum and we have lifelong career services for all alum as well so lots of ways to serve our ongoing um, alumni base and and bring them back into the campus as needed but also as you know uh, provide services to them as well uh, as they retool at different times and you know need that resume updated or need some search assistance we're here to uh, here to support uh to support them along the way.
0: And do do cohorts, do they all, when they graduate, uh, are they able to physically graduate together? Is there there a ceremony for online students similar to traditional?
1: There is. They are integrated into the campus uh, graduation ceremonies. We have three a year at CBU, which is really great because a lot of universities only have one. And with online you tend to graduate sometimes a little off cycle right so off a traditional cycle since you can enter at any one of six points during the year uh, you might complete a graduate program in just one year but you started oh i don't know in march right so that means you finished it maybe uh january of the next year or whatnot so um so they walk in we we do ceremonies in the spring which is typically the first week of may august so we have one coming up in two weeks and then again in december and all of our online students are integrated into the ceremonies. This last spring we had 12 ceremonies because they all had to be outside. Uh, So that was a lot of them. Typically we have five or six. So uh, as with an indoor space in the event center, we're able to seat more folks when the social distancing is more relaxed um, and we don't have that issue. So uh, yes, our online students are graduating with trads but they're also in their, what we call trads traditional students um, but they're also with their own group as well. So they're kind of mixed together.
0: Cool. And so where do you see Cal Baptist? Where do you see the institution in 10 years?
1: Yeah, higher ed's are really a really a flex point, isn't it? Um, I really think that the online division is going to continue to grow significantly as more and more uh, students are, Tech natives and not afraid of online learning, and there's a, a greater demand for flexibility and practicality of learning. So, I think that continues to be an opportunity and uh, you know a, a pivot point for us as a university. Right now, the you know CBU is close to 12,000 students overall, and about 3,000 of those are fully online, and uh, you know another 3,000 are what you might call hybrid, uh, both doing residential and um, online learning both. So I think that will continue to be the trend for the campus as well. Uh, Students are happy to take a few extra classes that are flexible in the timing of the lecture, right? You can watch it anytime, anywhere. Uh, So I think in the next 10 years, we're gonna see that number increase. And then also just the total expansion across, across the country and really looking at global markets as well. You know, where can we better serve with helping folks fulfill their purpose, their God-given purpose in uh, other countries, and how can we support that from CBU? Maybe we need to be there, maybe we don't. Maybe online learning is the solution, but we're definitely looking at new ways to to reach uh, a bigger market and help more folks gain the skills and knowledge they need to be successful in the purpose they've been called to.
0: Yeah, I'll tell you, it's higher education, especially when you look at the technology. Uh, you know, whether it be artificial intelligence or uh, just the tech industry in general, uh, the money that's being put into higher education, technology, and you know the work that groups like Coursera are doing, and the mergers and acquisitions that are happening. Uh, higher education, there's a, there's a lot of investment, a lot of dollars that are being put into that, especially as it relates to online. So the growth does seem to be. Um, Pretty significant if you you know listen to the prognosticators.
1: Absolutely, and it, it, you know it's uh, we're in the business of education, so a lot of times in higher ed we've defined that by degrees. I, I really see that slipping away. Uh, we're talking about lifelong learners now, and maybe it's you know becomes more of a subscription kind of concept where you sign up for you know we've seen a few samples of that already. Uh, you pay X amount per year, and you get so many courses, and you take the ones you want. So certificates and micro-credentials and badges um, are all important parts, uh, you know, important components. I was reading today the telehealth um, demand since, you know, we've gone through this COVID stretch, and those kinds of uh, skills are just like 400% more than they ever were before, right, and for good reason. So to your point, yeah, higher ed is going to change maybe uh, the way that they look at it. At least at CBU, we're talking a lot about how to add incremental skills to folks beyond their degree. And I think that's a critical component to uh, this learning process that we call higher ed.
0: Well, Dr. Daly, it's been a treat. Thank, thank you so you, much for your time. We, we really nice to be here. It. Excellent, yeah, great information for the audience. Just excellent content. And we we thank you so much for your time today.
1: Thank you, Brad. It's great to be here.
0: We hope you enjoyed today's podcast. For more information on Plexus, please visit us at plexus.com forward slash solutions. That's P-L-E-X-U-S-S dot com forward slash solutions. Or you can email us at podcast at plexus.com.